This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other task that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too on demand. So it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. The Bills suffer their first loss of the season, a very tough, close, heartbreaking loss in South Florida to the hands of the Miami Dolphins, 21 to 19, the final score. Sal Capaccio here from WGR. I was on the sidelines for the game. Matt Bove, he is actually still in Fort Lauderdale. He's going to head back. We are here late on a Sunday night with thoughts fresh in our mind, Matt, about what happened in South Florida. First of all, it was hot out there, dude. Like yeah. really, really hot. Like I can't believe it may have been the hottest game that I've, you know, been a part of covering and being on the field with because it wasn't just the heat and 90 degrees, but the humidity and the on-field temperature over 110, I believe, at one point, which I felt as like at the Roman Coliseum watching bodies fly and and down on the ground all the time. Yeah, it was really hot. And I know that it's always hot when they go to Miami, but this was a new level of hot yeah. to the point where like, even if you were outside for 15 minutes, just walking around doing what we do, you were sweating and you needed a towel to dry yourselves off, let alone those football players wearing pads and helmets and running around and tackling each other. And I think that kind of made the injuries even more significant because any little dings, any little people that cramp up when you're in that kind of heat, it makes it that much difficult, more difficult. Yeah. I mean, during the game, Isaiah McKenzie leaves to get an IV. So does Dawson Knox. I believe uh, Xavier, Xavier Howard did on the other side. So there's a lot to get to to dissect, but definitely that was a storyline in this game and it might've had an impact on the game. And oddly enough, the Buffalo Bills hold the ball for over 40 minutes, Matt, in this game. But they that might have actually been a detriment to them because they were so tired and so gassed that I think a few mental mistakes, a few obviously fit, critical physical errors as well on the offensive side cost them. But still, they dominated in almost every facet, but they did not make the critical plays they needed to make the game, the win the game. That's why they lose by two points. Despite pure domination and all of the statistics, the Bills didn't make a few critical plays, and the Miami Dolphins made one or two, and that's that's why they win. Yeah. It's funny. You lead with that because I was actually in a group message with some of my friends and they were asking me, what do they think the biggest takeaway from this game is? Or like, what was the biggest reason why the bills lost? And some people said injuries. Some people said different things. I said, I just felt like they didn't execute to the level that they usually execute. And that's yep. a lot of different examples of that. And I really do think that the heat played a factor. I think that the injuries played a factor, the heat played a factor, and maybe it just wasn't their day. Maybe they just didn't have a good day at the office 
office because that happens every once in a while. But a lot of plays stand out as kind of like plays you expect them to make that they ultimately don't make. It's the Matt Milano pick six. He catches that nine times out of 10. Gabe Davis touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Same thing with him. He brings that in most of the time. There were a couple drops even from digs, or maybe they're not drops, but they're catches that you think he probably makes. There's the throw at the end to Isaiah McKenzie. There's the missed field goal from Tyler Bass. Like these are plays this team is capable of making. And today they didn't. And I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that they're like sucking wind through a straw and they were on the field the entire game and they just weren't at their peak because they were so exhausted. Yeah. I think um, all those things are right. It's the details, right? This is a team that's very prideful on being buttoned up on all the details and executing those details. Well, that wasn't the case. It makes it harder to execute the details. Also, when you are down to your third string center and all your, your third and fourth string safeties and a rookie corner who has to come in and play for another rookie corner, making his NFL debut. I mean, it was just all over the place. And I will say the mood in the locker room after the game, Matt, can we do one thing here? Because I, I I'm getting a little frustrated on social media after the game, trying to explain this. And this is the way it works. I know the bills law. So people are very, heated, but I think that maybe we have to have a lesson somehow in excuse versus reason, right? I mean, like nobody made an excuse in the bills locker room. And when you or I tweet out or talk about, Hey, they had all these guys depleted. It was super hot. They still hung in there and the the players were prideful and you know how they, they, they still were able to play and keep this game down to the very end. Despite all that, that is not excuse making coming from the locker room. They all said the same thing, which is we still should have won. We still should have made the plays. We didn't make the plays, but it's a true reason. All of those things are true reasons. There's nothing wrong with stating the fact that it was super hot and the bills were down all these players. And yet they still took it down to the final second, literally of the game. Yeah, I think both can be true. It's not like it has to be one or the other. The Bills could be really decimated with injuries and it had an impact on the game. But at the same time, the Bills should have been able to win this game based off of the opportunities that they had and just the way that they even played. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. Honestly, I know a lot of people are probably in crisis mode right now back in Western New York because that's kind of what happens. But just like look around the league. This weird stuff happens all the time. And yep. oh, by the way, the Dolphins are a playoff team. I think they're going to be a playoff team. You were on the road and you were dealing with all of this nonsense and still almost won the game. I feel like I'm almost more confident in the fact that the Bills are a legit contender after this game than I was a couple of days ago, even though they lost the game. That's not a knock on Miami. That's not a knock on anything. I'm just thinking about all of the people. Like, let's go down the list. And once again, I don't want to make this as an excuse. They are without Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And I know Micah Hyde's going to be the rest of the year. They were without Mitch Morse today. They were without Ed Oliver today. They were without Jordan Phillips today. Gabe Davis only had a couple targets. He did not look like he was a hundred percent Gabe Davis. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but he just didn't look right. And oh, by the way, they're also getting Tredavious White back. And I forgot to say Dane Jackson. Like think about all of those people that would normally be in the lineup that did not play today. And they lost during the game, their backup center, Greg yep. Manroten. So the third string had to come in, Greg Manns. They lost their starting right tackle during the game, Spencer Brown. So Tommy Doyle had to come in. Tommy Doyle played guard during the game because they lost Ryan Bates during the game as well. Tommy Doyle played both tackle and guard. At one point, you got Greg Manns lining up, Tommy Doyle lining up at guard. And they lost, by the way, Christian Benford during the game. They had to have Jamarcus Ingram come in and play, who had making his NFL debut. 
Um, and then they lost Kumaro. Jay Kumaro, they lost during the game, right? I mean, like, how many wide receivers can you just run out there and have to play after play? They couldn't put a lot on Stefan Diggs. He was, he seemed a bit like they, they were taking some off him at the end of the game as well. And I, that's understandable for many of these guys. They lost Austin Knox for a short period of time. They lost Isaiah McKenzie for a short period of time. Again, not making excuses. I think it just underscores how deep and good this team is that even with all those things against them, they still outgained, let me just say it right, the Miami Dolphins. 497 to 212. Matt, I did the research. I went to profootballreference.com after the game. Only twice in the last 16 years has a team outgained another team by 285 yards or more and lost the game. Twice. And it was, and it was the 16 Dolphins. Years. Yes. It was the Dolphins. Yep. They, they out, were outgained by the Chargers back two years ago and they wound up winning that game. I think it just underscores the fact of what I just said and what you just talked about, which is so why do they lose the game? They made some critical errors. Errors we're not accustomed to seeing this team making, including the missed field goal, including the drops that we saw. So I think you can at least take solace out of the fact that to me, the bills are still the better team than the Miami dolphins. They just didn't make the plays to win on the scoreboard on Sunday. I like to try and take myself as much out of it and trying to get the perspectives of a lot of different people as often as I can, just to try and put together, you know, educated opinions and make sure that I'm not being too, you know, crazy one way or that I'm being rational. And the person who I've mentioned on the podcast the last couple of times, my friend who is a dolphins fan, like I'm texting in a group message with him and a couple other people who aren't bills fans during the game. And we all kind of said the same thing. Like the bills are still the better team. The dolphins are a good team. But none of that changed today. Like the Dolphins get the confidence booster. They get the win. Obviously, that helps them in the standings. They've got a pretty easy schedule from here on out. Like they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're ready to contend for a Super Bowl. It, it really does. I know Marcel was talking about this. Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN when we did our last podcast and we mentioned it a little bit. It does feel a little bit like they're the 2019 Bills. I know that they're not, you know, it's not like the Bills are descending like the Patriots were at the time, the dolphins are ascending, but that's kind of what it feels like to me. Like a team that I think can make it to the playoffs, a team that might be able to win a playoff game, but not a team that I think is going to contend for a super bowl. That's what I think the dolphins are. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like they have made strides defensively. They were much better today than they have been in years past, especially in the red zone. Tua is better Tua didn't do anything in this game that I was like, Oh my goodness. He is a top five quarterback in the NFL. He was fine. He made a really nice throw on third and 22. He had a really strong touchdown pass. Besides that, everything he did was pretty ho-hum. It's not a knock on him. He's made strides, but I think the dolphins are a good team. I think the bills are the better team and maybe still the best team in the NFL, even despite the loss. There's still a question of why he was even allowed to come back in the game, by the way, in the second half. Um, that's out there right now here as we sit on Sunday night. There's an investigation by the league of how, in, how in fact, he was able to um, pass the concussion protocol when they originally said it was a head injury and he was wobbling. That's why he went down. And then they said, well, it was a back injury. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, I want to ask you this before we wrap up this segment and move on and talk about specific you know, plays or players. What player out of everybody they missed on Sunday was the most impactful miss? Ooh, I, I thought about this earlier. I would say Mitch Morris. I like it. I yeah. would say Mitch Morris because of some critical errors that happened that I don't think happen if Mitch Morris is on the field. So the first one that stands out to me is 
the botched snap at the end of the first half where he couldn't spike the ball because then it would have been a fumble. And then, you know, the so is that exactly ended. what happened? Because I I'll tell I'm on the sidelines. You guys are in the press box. You see the replays. Mm-hmm. We were all wondering why didn't, why did Josh do that? Was he just trying to do a fake spike, a Dan Marino fake spike? That's not what happened. You're saying, mm-hmm. and I'm learning this now. And this is hours after the game. I just, I took the plane home. I didn't see the video. I do know that happened, but please explain. Okay, so essentially what happened, and my understanding of the rules, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was not a clean snap. And when you botch a snap like that and then you spike it, it's a fumble. So if it would have been recovered, then it would have been the Dolphins ball, or there would have been a 10-second runoff because the Bills don't have the timeout, and then the quarter would have ended. So what I think happened, now I don't know this for sure, but what I think happened was the snap was botched, Allen realized if he spiked it, it would have been a fumble and it would have basically ended the quarter. So then he tried to throw it over Stefan Diggs out of bounds to stop the clock. But Diggs would have no idea that any of that was happening, caught it and then tried to take it upfield. Now, I don't know that for sure, but I do know that the snap was botched just from looking at like the video of it. So I'm thinking that if Mitch Morse is there, that that play never happens because it's probably a clean snap. And oh, oh, by the way, there were like three or four snaps today that were a little bit shaky. All right. So I still think it's, it's not a fumble because you'd still be throwing it forward, but it probably would be a penalty in that situation because it's not a clean spike, but then that means it's intentional grounding. So that would have stopped the half anyway. And okay. I think that's what Josh probably was thinking. The other thing is once he botches it, he probably thinks there's not enough time to snap it. There was two seconds left. There's mm-hmm. not enough time to spike it, right? Maybe that's what he thinks, but thank you for the explanation because a lot of people might not have realized watching at home or what was going on. We did not know on the field what was going on with that. I have another reason why Mitch Morse might be the most impactful player. The bills lost when we come back after this.